And one thing that really scared me this launch, it was our 11th launch of Copywriting for Creatives, is offer fatigue. Mm-hmm. I think that is very prevalent and you've got to figure out a way, whether it's a new hook, when you're you're coming in with the angle of what's going on in the world or like just thinking outside of the box, I think is very important. You've got to nail that. Offer fatigue is real. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is copywriter Ashlyn Carter. Longtime listeners of the Brands at Book podcast will remember that Ashlyn was one of the very first guests on the podcast all the way back in episode two, she talked about how to write high converting website copy, an episode that's still relevant today and still full of practical tips. So if you haven't listened to it, be sure to check out that episode as well. Ashlyn has written sales copy for some of the biggest names in the creative industry and has earned the reputation of someone who has really honed her craft. In today's episode, we benefit not only from her expertise as a copywriter, but also as a business owner. We cover a range of topics from the importance of emotional hooks to her best tips for writing headlines and what she thinks is coming in the next year. We also get to hear about a fascinating email project that she's been working on. And we just get to catch up. As always, be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And before we move on, can I ask you a favor? If you enjoy listening to the Brands That Book podcast and find this episode helpful, would you mind heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review? Reviews are helpful for so many different reasons, but most importantly, they let us know that the kind of content we're producing is the kind of content you want to hear. Now, enough from me, on to the episode. Do you play Settlers of Catan at all? Is that the one in Parks and Rec? No. I'm not sure. I, I didn't watch a ton of Parks and Rec, but it's uh, it's like a great board like game. Parks and Rec. I, I like know. I Yeah, everybody says that. And I just need to find what network it's on and maybe go yeah. binge some episodes. Yeah. But it's one of our favorite things to do at like our till retreats. Jesse, Ryan, and I have been talking about doing like a YouTube podcast where we invite a fourth person to come play. And then we just talk marketing while we play Settlers of Catan. What do you a think? Brilliant idea. I love that. Yeah. So I would have to learn how to play first. That's right. It'd be more fun if you were learning as you, (laughs) as you went. All right. Well, I'm going to put you on the list for when we do that. Good deal. (laughs) So I'd reached out, it's been way too long. And when I reached out to see if you'd come back on the podcast, which you graciously have, and I really appreciate, I kid you not, 24 hours later, my sister texted me and was like, I love Ashlyn Carter. I have no... I have no use for any of her like Instagram or YouTube. Like she's not a copywriter by trade, right? Yeah. But she's like, I love all the content she produces. And I'm oh, like, this Davey, is so random. World. I so appreciate that. Yeah. And I thought, I was like, this is so random. I was like, did Krista tell you that she's coming back on the podcast in a, in a few weeks? She's like, no. I was, you know, she was just watching whatever and texted me wow. since, you know, she knew you'd been so on the podcast before. Does she follow the entrepreneur world? Yeah, she follows the entrepreneur work and she is in marketing. So, you know, when she says she has like no use for those, what she means is that she's not like specifically a copywriter, although I'm sure she she utilizes what she learns and all that. 
I just thought that was so funny. So I had to, I, I had to share that. Yeah. That's going to like be my, I'm going to rat on that for a week. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> so she was really excited to hear that you're coming back on the podcast and we have so much to talk about because we haven't really talked for the last, we haven't connected for the last few years. You know, we're coming up on 2023 and I'm excited to hear like what you think about what's coming up. But oh, yeah. before we get there, what's been going on? What's been the latest? Okay. We, so gosh, it's been, I think like 2021 was my hardest year in business. And then I think 2022 was like, hold my beer. <laughs> it's just been, it's been a good year, but it's been a year of team building and culture more so than I thought it was going to be. I think, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like 2020 was an incredible financial year for us. And then now I feel like now we're dealing with the repercussions of the great resignation and the quiet quitting movement and more and more people moving into this small business world. So yeah, we've just seen, there's been a lot that we've been figuring out and trying and it's been overall so good. God is so good. I, it feels like I have such an incredible team assembled. I'm embarrassed to say I got through how many years of business, six and a half years of business as the only full-time employee. And that was not the smartest decision. So I'm <laughs> so glad that though. there's two other people now besides just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you feel like made 2021 especially hard? I resonate with that for sure. That, let's see, what was... First of all, it's hard to, I've talked about this with some other peers too. Once you hit a financial goal, it's really hard to make less than that on another year and not feel like that's a failure. Cause mm -hmm. it's certainly, certainly not. I took about half the year off to, I know y'all know y'all are very, I mean, well, as experienced as us, we're two and two with kids and how, what that impact is on a business owner. And so that was probably the hardest part about 2021 was just, and I, I took it off offline and then I came back in social media and I felt like that meme of that guy who's like, hello, youths or whatever, like fellow kids <laughs> with the skateboard, like what in the world? Social media is so different now. That learning curve and feeling like after you've been in the industry, again, you probably know these feelings too for so long. And now there's all these new people. You're like, shoot, do I still have it? I don't know. How do I need to pivot? What do I need to, because you're also doing a lot more work. Now you have more of a a name and a brand. So you've got the client work coming in, whereas the people that maybe don't have as much have the luxury, to, they can be more visible because that's what they've, you know, they're playing the card they've got to play. And so all that mindset stuff going on between your ears. And I think that was what 2021 was for me. So by the end of the year, I was like, I made some decisions about what 2022 would be like. And yeah, one of the big ones was like, I've got to get some help. I am not, yeah, amongst yeah. other things. I want to hear more about some of the team building stuff too. I found that 2021 was just the worst. And I'm still sort of reflecting on what 2020, the damage done in 2021. You know, I think for me, it was just a season of burnout. Yeah. Just not feeling as motivated. I think because 2020, and I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but it felt like it should be a sprint, you know, like with 2020, it was like, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. So it was just like, put your head down and work. And then I think mentally, I thought someone was going to ring the bell and be like, okay, you know, whatever yep. this is that we're dealing with right now is over and everybody can rest, but that never happened. Right. So it's just like, I think I, I brought that mindset into 2021 and somewhere along the way, just, you know, got burnt out. And then, yeah, I mean, just thinking about last year and the way that the, the ways that impacted work. And I feel like now in 2022, this year has been fun because especially as the year goes on, 
I'm feeling more motivated again, more excited about the work that I'm doing, but it was a, I mean, it was a hard year. I am so grateful. You, first of all, your classic Davy Lates, you so well said, Vanessa, I don't know if you follow Vanessa Lau and I know Elise Dharma, Elise Dharma is a friend, but like they have very large internet businesses and they both have like publicly talked about burnout and theirs happened in the same time frame. So I know that you're right. It was kind of a, the ring the bell is a great metaphor. Cause yeah, I think we were all like the sprint got exhausting. We had to kind of reset like, okay, no, this is it now. So how am I going to deal? Yeah. Yeah. So you started building a team. What's been exciting about that? What's been hard? Okay. I, first of all, I needed an executive assistant, which sounded like the bougiest. I was screwing up my calendar constantly, not getting back to emails, even as, and I know y'all did an episode recently on productivity and like, but even with like all those things in place, I was still messing up. So that was like one thing I realized, like I need somebody to crack a whip on me. Mm. And I had an integrator, Rachel, for years. She's my college roommate and it was such a great relationship. But I'm so excited for her. She's having her third baby and was going to homeschool full time. So with her moving out, that's kind of when I was like, all right, I've got to rebuild here a little bit. That's when I, like I mentioned earlier, cannot be the only full-time anymore. I need more boots on the ground here. And then did some reshuffling. So now I hate, it sounds so clinical, but like we have like departments now that I guess like seeing grooves and lanes in the business where it was like an assembly of contractors for a long time. And that worked for, you know, six years, but now we really, we need department meetings and we need not just a full team meeting, but those departments have to come together as well and have discussions so we don't take up time in the full meeting. So all that kind of stuff has been really interesting to learn. And it's also been challenging to realize that I have like sticky notes everywhere. My queen bee role. What is that book? Is that a Clockwork. Mike McCallowicz, I think is his name. I always okay. say Mike Wazowski. Not, not Mike Wazowski <laughs> from Monsters, Inc., but Clockwork, where he talks about the queen bee role of the business. And I know if I am not in Google Docs or talking to people, we're like not making money. That's kind of the two things that literally only I can do is like write our stuff. That's The other point I was going to make is I've learned a lot this year about the value of, and it's interesting in this post-COVID world, like being in the room and talking to people and building relationships. I don't know, like I just have never really been comfortable with that side of business or seen myself in that, but I'm learning when I go to something or show up on a call with other entrepreneurs and I make a relationship like that does behoove the business. I'm trying to get more comfortable with that as the year goes on. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's another thing that I think initially I was grateful for more time at home and less travel and that felt good. But then again, that's one of those things where I feel like I really, I've always been a relationship builder. And so I think we're getting back to like our first, some of our first travel actually in a few weeks where you're heading out to show its conference. And I'm really excited for that. And to be back in a place where I can like meet people and, yes. you know, hang out. And, and I do think those help move a business forward on so many levels. I mean, it might just be internally where, you know, you're meeting another like-minded entrepreneur and they speak something into your business or your life that makes a big mm-hmm. change, or it might just be a relationship that it's a high for now, but six months from now it becomes a client. So I'm really excited to get back to some more travel and in-person stuff with people and Nothing like it. yeah, absolutely for sure. So we have a high school intern for the first time. She is very interested in copywriting and she's actually, I'm shocked at how quickly she's pick things up. But I have to ask, what are a few things you would tell her if, you know, you were, you know, if you were speaking to yourself back at her age, what would you tell her to focus on? So good. I, there's such wisdom and value in like the, for lack of a better way to say it, the old dead guys, like the old copywriters, Bill Bly, Ogilvy, some of these books that I don't think I picked up and started reading really until about I started my business. And I'd been writing copy, marketing copy for years before that. And I read a few of the classics in like my corporate years, but that's something that, I mean, even given the landscape on iOS changes and how that's impacting like direct response, ad copy and all that, even within the confines of that, the psychology and the persuasion techniques, if she can get those ingrained in her psyche of like how she writes and how she approaches writing, that is just invaluable. It's an old tool, but it's a tool for a reason, but rewriting old sales letters Hmm. and finding old classic sales letters and just like making that like a ballerina, like getting the technique so ingrained that you can then riff on it because you know, that's what I would tell myself to do again. Cause I, again, I didn't start doing that until I started my business and I got more hungry about, I don't know. I was hungry about work and re- but I didn't do professional development beyond much that was like new and flashy when I was yeah. in corporate. Like I wanted to learn, you know, hot new techniques and stuff, but there's just a lot of value in the old stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to reach out and get a list of oh some my of these gosh, classics. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that would be awesome. And I'll post those in the show notes once I get them, but I'll also, yes. I'm going to for sure That'd share those great. with our intern. And even for people like listening now that are a little more seasoned, like I still, and I, I want to get back into it. I'll go through seasons where every day for a month, I'll start my work day by like reading an old sales letter or looking at an old ad and just thinking like, what does that have in it that worked? Or is there, does that spur an idea in me? I at least haven't found that to be a sustainable thing I could do for like years. That would be awesome if I could do every day like that. But it's a good little sprint to do for a month or a few weeks to brush up those skills. So, you know, sort of a random aside question from there. I've related if you if you were, were to go back in time, restart your business, what are some of the things that you do differently think? That's always such a hard question because the journey that made me who I am, you know how it is. You you mess up and that's the thing that I mean, I'll tell you like I was very slow 
to chop off calligraphy from my business because I constantly told myself that people wouldn't trust me if I hadn't proven to them that I knew what it was like to sell in their market and I knew what it was like to sell a nice to have or beauty or artistry. So I just didn't chop it off. I don't think we have that luxury as much anymore because given that there's such a groundswell and like you see the clarion messages that like cut through the noise are specific. Mm -hmm. They are, I'm not even going to bring up the whole conversation of niching because everybody has opinions on that. But regardless of where you fall about niching, that it's got to be laser sharp of a message to get through. There is so much, we just came off a launch. There's so much noise out there right now. That's the only way you're going to be able to stay in. And I feel like that's only going to be in 2023 too. So I think I got away with maybe a muddled message or I was just afraid to kind of like go all in on something. And you have to throw, there's a certain amount of like throwing spaghetti at the wall before you're like, okay, that hits. Like that's what it needs to be. I was just afraid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's interesting now because I think we all sort of, Yeah, I think it's easy to come up with ideas and then add them, you know, and it's always harder to Mm -hmm. chop things off and get more specific and double down on, you know, certain things. I think in current businesses too, like, that's something that we're currently going through, you know, yep. figuring out what is it that we really do well and yep. how is it that we best serve people and and then really starting to focus there. But then there's always that concern. It's like, well, you know, but what if someone wants this? Like we can do that too. So that is constant struggle. That is tough. I feel like for me, it would, it, it definitely goes back to team building. You know, I'd build a team much sooner than we did. It makes such a big difference. It does make a big difference. That's, and that's the side of like, building a business that you don't, when you love your craft, you just don't even think about it. I love talking. I feel like I've got, there's a, two names that come to mind of like people I know in this whole world that like, they're just such artisans of their craft and in love with it so much. And I, I get that. And it's hard for those of us that function like that. There's a lot in this bubble to be like, oh yeah. And I need to like shake hands and yeah. be in the room and rub elbows. Like that's part of it. But yeah, yeah, for sure. What have you been doing differently this year? What do you feel like coming out of 2021? You know, I know you mentioned 2022 has been a year of team building and and culture building. How much of that do you think is like a result of what we all just went through collectively? And how much of it is just kind of the natural evolution of, of your business? Okay. So there's two big projects that we worked on this year. One is we built our own email server, which was a bear of a project, but we saw the fruit of all that labor this past launch. So what that involved, and I love tools like ConvertKit, and I haven't really played around with Flowdesk a lot. I have questions about the deliverability on Flowdesk, but I love platforms like that. Mm -hmm. The problem is we got to a certain size because basically you're buying into it costs because you're buying into a shared server and that server, ConvertKit servers or whatever the way, and I am no like data scientist, but this is my understanding of it. They are doing the best they can to get your email into as many inboxes as possible, right? The problem is at the end of the day, you don't own that IP. And so what we wanted to do is see, could we build our own server and warm up our own IP to a point that when we send emails, we have greater control over, it requires far more babysitting 
of the server to make in like all the IP addresses and everything. But we saw open rates go up and you know, it's like standard in most industries, 20, 25, 30-ish percent. We're regularly seeing 60 to 70 percent open rates. I think that made a big difference because we couldn't tell with our email list. It was, I think it was like, it got up one time. And that's the thing too. It got up one time to 60,000. Oh my gosh. We cleaned off probably 20,000 bots that were in there. Then, so it got back down to probably more like 25 to 30,000, but we could not tell so many. And we used Infusionsoft. I have thoughts on Infusionsoft. (laughs) Mostly blah. But that, we couldn't tell what was getting in inboxes and it was getting to the point where it's like, you're paying in ads, you're getting people on your list. You're like, if they're on this list, I have got to get to their inboxes. It's starting to cost us that we can't. And so we spent the first six months of the year moving over to our own server and warming that up. And so that has meant this year we're sending out to keep our server warm two weekly emails. That was a big change for me. That's a lot more. That's double the amount of like copywriting and content writing. And so that's been an adjustment and trying to figure that out. But we found like in in my fear too, even though I I say it to clients all the time, like you can send more emails. Don't worry about it. And then it came my turn. I was like, oh gosh, everyone's going to unsubscribe when I start sending two times a week. But no, it's done so great. I think that is going to continue into 2023. Again, back to the noise thing. I feel like I sign up for brands all the time now and they're sending me two, three emails a week and I don't mind it. I think we're all used to a little bit more. Maybe our muscles have gotten a little bit stronger when it comes to the amount of messages that we can consume or amount of emails we're used, we're more comfortable with. But that's been like a big thing we worked on this year and what I've seen to next year. The second big thing is pulling down our course content and our curriculum to much more tighter, tangible bites. It's like the TikTok effect. You know how we all used to, could watch 16 minute videos and then now we're like 30 seconds get to the <laughs> yeah, point. I don't have the time and for then, anything more than eight yeah. minutes. Wait, so say that again. On YouTube, I've no like if it's more than eight minutes, I'm like I don't have time for this, and I'm and still listening exactly. on double speed. You know, what happened? Our little goldfish brain. <laughs> I do that too. Sometimes I'm watching a TikTok and they don't get to the point in the first like ten seconds. I'm like, wow, that is brutal, Ashlyn. But I think when it comes to course curriculum, and you were in the industry five years ago, it used to be like seventy two videos. Woohoo. Now everybody's like, heck no, techno. Yeah. I don't have time for that. So that's been a big thing is like looking at the curriculum that I have and I've got three courses and then I've got templates too and just like how can we pull them even further down? Like how can we get to the point faster? I pulled down copywriting for creatives is my signature curriculum and I did that last year, ripped it down and I'm doing the other two courses that I have this year to just like we cannot have these long videos anymore. Yeah. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I want to go back to sending the email. So you're sending two emails a week in part for practical purposes, trying to keep that email server warm. The email server, is that, are you running like a dedicated server through ConvertKit or is this your straight up your own? 
through Mailgun. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah. So Mailgun, yeah. they're kind of like a sun grid. They're, yes. Yeah. So they house it all. And then like the skin over the top that we use is FG Funnels. After so many years, the tech bloat was so frustrating, not just financially, because you're paying, you know, you're paying for stuff and there's overlap. But from a conversion measurement standpoint, I was getting so frustrated that I couldn't track from like point of entry into our ecosystem or my world to like, did that person spend or not? <laughs> that was driving me crazy. You know, I know a lot of people listening, like you have a a lot of us have dual sides, like you've got your service provider side, and then you probably do have like digital products or templates or shop items. I just got really frustrated that I couldn't track everything. And so FG Funnels is newer and it kind of felt like a risk. It still kind of does sometimes, but I know some of the people behind it and um, we've had a good experience so far, but man, just being able to, we did this past launch and be able to pull such greater metrics. That's where I find peace of mind because it launches and marketing in general, so emotional. And when I can look at the numbers and see the story that the numbers tell, I stress out far less. Yeah. So it's been a, heck of a move, but I'm glad we've done it. So real quick, just because you had mentioned you have opinions about it. And so before we jump into a few other things here, you had mentioned ConvertKit, Flowdesk, Infusionsoft. Now you're using Mailgun slash FG Funnels. Do you have opinions about the other other three real quick? Yeah, I am always so impressed with ConvertKit, their commitment to deliverability. And I want to look more into Flowdesk. I just do not... And I... That's the thing too, I learned through all of this. What your server sometimes is telling, what a convert kit or a flow desk is telling you is your deliverability is not always true. Mm. <laughs> Definitely not. If anything, I mean, you see it in the nature of what you do. iOS updates completely ravaged and crushed our ability to know like, is that a true open rate or was that we don't know? Yeah. And so a lot of times I've had some students and they're like, no, Flowdesk, like it's telling me it's delivering. I'm like, you actually cannot trust that. Like you theoretically, because it's so packed and so HTML saturated, statistically, it is going to be throttled by Yahoo by some AOL, like they're just, that's the question I have about it. And I want to do like a whole deep dive into it and really figure it out. Cause I, I think for creatives, the creator economy, it is, in a, it's a beautiful product. Like, yeah. but we do, yeah, we need to be able to, we've got to be able to get in inboxes. Yeah. And that's the key, right? You know, it's because if you can't, if you, like, it's not going to be your most profitable channel if you can't even yeah. get in the inbox. And that makes sense. We've talked about moving from ConvertKit, but we never really? do. You know, we've like this is something I've been saying for years now. Yeah. So we're probably sticking with ConvertKit. We do have a dedicated oh, yeah, server ConvertKit. on ConvertKit, which is awesome. A step down from what you're doing. Um, yeah, but, a but step that's up incredible. Like just kind of server sharing, I guess. But yeah, that's so interesting. I I haven't heard. I mean, I know people do that, but I haven't. We'll have to talk more about. Yeah, we could totally nerd out about that. Oh, that would be great. So let's get back to uh, a little bit of copywriting and how that's changed over the last few years. You talked a little bit about TikTok, the impact that's had on our ability to maybe consume longer form content like YouTube and things like that. And probably why YouTube has rolled out things like YouTube shorts, right? There's something about that short form content that just keeps Mm -hmm. on going on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So 
has copywriting changed in similar ways? Absolutely. Like, what you, we have AI saying? now. We did not have that a couple of years ago and it has exploded. In writing circles, you definitely have that fear because I have the fear too. And so I, again, whenever I get nervous about something, my knee-jerk reaction is like, must research everything about it. And so that's what I did when I kind of got nervous, like, oh, the robots are coming for <laughs> our jobs. And what I've landed on, like my hypothesis is it is such a great tool for rejigging ideas in your head and getting you maybe out of a block, helping, I think headlines, they're usually pretty good. Everything though, and I say this, like I really like some of these platforms. I can't help but think that they sound a little word salady though, what it spits out. Also, there's, if you're talking brand voice and personality, they got nothing on yeah, you at anybody. It. Yeah. Like that's, um, but it is, it's just an interesting tool. Like there's product description generators and like, I think they expedite the writing process if you've got a lot of writing, but that'll be interesting to see. It does it get smarter over the next few years. I don't know. And I don't think we've had a lot of maybe creatives really latch into all that yet, but like maybe that could happen next year too. We'll see. Yeah. I generally think that AI is just a terrible idea in general, but Philip. <laughs> Philosophy aside, yeah. you know, some, yeah. something interesting just in the last few months, you know, so Google's rolled out with a Google helpful content update, and then they rolled out with a, a spam update shortly after that. And the kinds of content that has been hit by that is AI content, you know, and so interesting. Just based on a Wait, little bit how, of research. Say more about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. So basically there's this one guy I follow, Neil Patel just sent out a, an email about okay. this, but since he manages... He sees uh, data across so many different sites because yep. he also owns Ubersuggest. But it looked like, you know, and again, I, I just skimmed it, but it looked like the bottom line was, you know, if you had content on your site that was purely AI generated and posted, that that content seemed to be most impacted by these different updates. And it makes yes. sense too, you know, like to your point about brand voice and things like that. And I just can't imagine that the most helpful content in most cases is going to be content created by a machine, you know, Preach. I think yep. there's people who have really mastered the process of starting yep. with AI and then basically taking that and building on it to get it yep. to where it needs to be. So I think maybe there's promise there, but yeah, I just, I'm you know, with you. I'm on team human. So Same. team, <laughs> I mean, nobody, the creativity and the artisanship and like the storytelling, like you, that's why I get so excited when creatives figure out how to write that because I'm like you can you can learn this like it's totally a learnable skill and there's you're not a bot will never be able to replace you on this like there's yeah yeah, yeah. well it's you're interesting safe. Google does seem to be actively trying to fight completely AI bot created content which I think interesting. that's a good yeah, thing. it is yeah but what else has changed anything else like in terms of the sort of type of content you're writing or you're creating or you know maybe. Has it magnified the importance of certain things? Like I imagine mm. headlines are that much more important. Mm, that's good. I didn't, that was not on my list, but I would say, yes, what was on my list kind of related to that is hooks. Like mm. the hook has to be, again, the noise out there. It's got to be sticky. Neat little thing you could do is scroll through. I keep mentioning TikTok. It's just like fascinating to see 
in real time stuff go down. So if you scroll through TikTok enough to start getting some ads, see how, and especially when you get retargeted the same ads for the same product, but they're pitching different hooks to you to see what's going to snag your attention first. That is what is fascinating. And I think for those of us in the creative sphere, especially those of us who've been offering something for a long time, one thing that I'm seeing with our clients And one thing that really scared me this launch, it was our 11th launch of copywriting for creatives is offer fatigue. Mm. I think that is very prevalent and you've got to figure out a way, whether it's a new hook when you're, you're coming in with the angle of what's going on in the world or like just thinking outside of the box, I think is very important. You've got to nail that offer fatigue is real. I've seen it with so many clients. Yeah. How do you prevent, what are some of your tips for preventing offer fatigue, especially around emotional hooks? One of the gals on your team too, she she had mentioned this concept of lawyering up that maybe you could talk about as well. Oh my gosh. I love talking about that. Okay. So one thing that we did to combat that this launch this time around is like change up the, I call it a hype piece, but whatever tool you're using to pitch your offer, your fall mini sessions, your like whatever the thing is you're trying to sell. How are you telling people, hello, this is open for business, whether it's a webinar, a workshop, masterclass, challenge, all those kind of things. So we did a completely different challenge this time around. And we also like one thing I was like, let's just try it. It'll we'll either be judged into the oblivion or it'll work is get real themey with it. Like tongue in cheek. We did like a homecoming theme. Like I even did a shoot with Abby Grace Springman. She takes photos for us. We did it on, I was up there anyway, but (laughs) we were next to Yale's campus. And so she was like, order pom-poms. And like, we just went all in. It was very well received, but again, I think it cut through the noise and it stood out. So I think being, if you feel like you have something you've pitched over and over and over and over again, can you come at it with a completely creative, maybe tongue in cheek, like go for it. Just see if that alone shakes it up a little bit because it might. And just you're trying, it's just that attention span is so short. So how can you get in on that? The lawyering up concept, I hopefully it's starting to like crystallize for people. Sometimes I feel like I I talk about it so much, but I'm just so passionate that your art doesn't sell itself. And a lot of, again, creatives, artists, makers, those of us who love the aesthetic side of things are afraid to like use data and proof and argue for the value of what they do. Because as I guess we think like it's art, it's like people are only buying from emotional reasons. Yes, but they're like, you've got a lot of logical buyers out there. Like a lot, I am a very lot, I have to remind myself sometimes to like bring emotion into my copy because I love, just because you like to buy one way doesn't mean other people don't. So yeah, I love, I love helping people figure out how to use data and proof points. You need to have a proof point to back up any claim that you're making in your writing, even if you're creative. Yeah. I would say, especially if you're a creative, actually. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's so important. I think we, it's so easy to project, uh, well, this is how I purchase or this is how I think yes, through something. Yes. And so this is how everybody thinks through it. Yes. We were working on a uh, copy with a, it was actually for a firm that, that offers accounting, continuing education. So I'm nice, thinking back yeah. to my, I'm thinking about my days as like an educator where we had yeah. to do, you know, high school teacher, we had to do CPE to, to keep our certifications and all that. And all the angles that I'm coming up with are like, well, you know, when I was doing it, I was trying to find the class that was easiest, 
quickest? Could it be done virtually? Could I just take the test, you know, yep. right? Yep. But I was talking to a friend of mine who he works for one of the big four accounting firms. And he was like, yeah, you know, those there's definitely accountants like that that are looking just to check the box. But he's like, you know, there are a lot of accountants that they, they want to be on the cutting edge of their huh. industry. They want to be the go-to person for specific subjects within their firm, you know? So it's not just about like, Love can you check that. this box? And so it was a good reminder for me, like, yes. okay, I need to go back and I need to take a look at some of the other different angles that somebody might be approaching this decision from. But it is, it's so easy to fall into that. Well, you know, I just want to check the box. Right. Yeah. So. And I love that you said, cause I, that's, I saw that in my own launch. Like my, my own team was like, Ashlyn hit emotion again, like in Instagram stories or whatever, like you're getting a little too analytical and getting your own humble pie served back to you is oh so good. Yes. I find it happens to me. So, so often. Oh, and daily, I think over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, one of the things that I want to ask about is headlines. And I yeah. also, I want to end by talking about any hot takes you have for 2023 for sure. Okay. But one of the things that I think really has made a big difference for us is paying att more attention to our headlines. And I think it's one of those things mm -hmm. where you just kind of get into the groove of, yeah, you know, oh, this is good enough or whatnot, yep. but it really can make a big difference on so many different levels. If you're writing ad copy, the click-through rate on the ad or somebody yep. at least just stopping and getting that impression for a landing page, getting people to continue reading yep. through and potentially signing up for whatever it is that you're you're offering on that landing page. Emails, we've already talked about. So maybe you could talk us through some of your best tips for writing headlines. Yep. Okay. So my first tip is do not write it first. Do not, do not, do not write it first. If anything, it's the last piece that I write because you've got to figure out when you're in the writing process of something, what's going to bubble up to be the best lawyer for the argument. That's always how it is. It's like, what is stickiest in everything I'm writing? What is the... Yeah. What is the most irresistible thing? So I can't find that until I've written eons. Then uh, the second tip is don't be afraid to borrow from other areas. Like I see this with students inside copywriting for creatives a lot. They'll have a great, and I think it's because they get more used to writing. They'll have a great line like down on the homepage or over on their about page or on their services page. I'm like, that's your, that's the hero of the entire sales argument. Let's pull that over. We can trade those out real easy. So I think be open. I would say anybody's listening, be open to like seeing, finding your hero headline, wherever it may be hiding out, mm -hmm. like, and be open to moving it. Cause I think otherwise you miss out. We may, we get really married to like our ideas and um, don't be afraid to move it. The last tip I have and it's my team and I still do it. I have in my shop and copywriting for creative students have it 35 headline templates. And I use those too. I have a friend, his name is Justin Blackman. He's a copywriter. And I think it was for, he made himself write a hundred headlines for a hundred days and like wow. just to get better. And I asked him one time, I was like, Justin, how was it? Like, should I do that? And he was like, absolutely not. It was awful. <laughs> but he got better. And I'm using that as a like broad example to even those like 35 headline templates. I know our agency girls, when they're writing drafts, they'll pull that out and they'll just write 35 different versions. It just, it's like a muscle and you find in there the key. So I mentioned these three tips because I think, not a thing, I know headlines are the hardest. So don't put so much pressure on yourself to just whip one out at the beginning of your writing project. That is literally the worst time to write one, in my opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny you say that because uh, what I find, so typically when we're writing ad copy, I'll come up with headlines and I put it in quotations because it mm-hmm. will, it'll help me sort of brainstorm different angles or maybe different hooks. So it's not really like, oh, I'm sold on these headlines yet. And then without fail, as I actually write the copy, you know, I go back and and typically almost every one of those headlines is going to change because I'm going to, I'm going to write something finally. And it's going to be like, oh, that's a good line. How, you know, how can we turn that into a headline? You know, one of the things that I really, I remind our intern of a lot because I've struggled with it to this day, which is just that perfectionism where it's like, you can't go on to the next headline until you figure out the perfect headline for this. But there's something to be said about just writing down what comes to mind and maybe writing 35 or 100, yes. or, you know, whatever. I typically don't even get to 35. I use, typically, we do lists oh, of like gosh. 20. <laughs> yeah, 35 is a struggle to get to. Yeah, like usually I'm like five or 10. Even so, even if I'm writing like subject lines for an email, I'll do like five. Yeah. But it's like the good stuff really comes if you can just sit with it for another another five minutes and see what happens. Yeah, and try not to think about it too much, you know, because Love it's that. like, and Seth Godin, has said this before, which is you have to write so many bad words before you get to the good word, you know? And that's been, I think, very formative for me, certainly over the last few years. I think with kids, I don't know if you found this, you're just forced to adopt that mindset because you just kind of got to keep pushing forward. But yeah, that is really helpful. Well, as we turn our attention to 2023, what do you think's coming? Like what, so 2021, 2022 have been challenging years. What do you think's coming in 2023? Okay. Did you see, I posted a little bit about it and it got good, it got like good feedback, but I posted about the lipstick index. Have you heard of that? Yes. Well, I hadn't heard about it until you posted about it. Yes. That is one thing I'm like, and I I talked to a ton of peers and my coach and like other people I knew that were launching. And a lot of us that were launching around the same time saw that like for like a high ticket offer in our industry is just, it's, it's asking for a mortgage payment right now. And that's, that is a tough sell. So how can you, especially, you know, if, and it looks like we are in recession and that continues into next year, how can you still get people little quick wins, but you have to die to your darlings a little bit that maybe your signature, big high ticket offer or year long mastermind coaching program or whatever it is, may not be the fit right now. And Mm. so, and that would be great, but like, how can you then give them little moments of, and when I was reading, like researching before I wrote that post and reading these articles, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. Like I buy like this. I'll be at the grocery store doing something like, I just, I'm just going to get a little nail polish for (laughs) myself. You know, like that I do that. So how can you give your audiences or your audience ways to do that. And even if you're a service provider, like I, I was talking about this with some students and I had some service providers pipe up and like, I, oh my goodness, you know, who's doing a killer job at it. Angela at Saffron Avenue. She has these, she does these brand drops where she will make like four pre-made brands. And then she only sells like four versions of each and she'll drop them with a wait list and you buy, the, basically, it's like a mini, it's kind of a day rate. A day rate is a great example of, I think, like a lipstick offer. Mm-hmm. It's 
an opportunity to have her work on your brand. You get your results in a week and it's like under $2,000. And I know that's, I was just talking, but in comparison to like a $10,000 brand refresh, like that is a great offer. So I think figuring out like, can you have day right, day rate strategy hours, VIP sessions, template packs, all that kind of stuff and price them competitively. So your audience can have little moments of getting that dopamine hit from you. Yeah. Well, I, we're going to have to, we'll link to it in the show notes to your post about the lipstick effect, but you could tell people were interested in it because- uh, Yeah, it was interesting. Lots of engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's an interesting take for 2023. Any other hot takes? It'll be interesting also to see because, again, I've talked to a few friends about this. I We saw with this past launch, there is course fatigue mm-hmm. out there and people have invested in things that have not worked. And so how is that? all the better to you than if you've got a course or a product that does work. But I think because now we've had this backlog of people that buying things for the past few years, if they didn't get results, you've got to battle that in your messaging and in your sales process. I, we saw that head on this time around. So that'll be interesting to watch too. And there's just so many, you know, making a course now is easier than ever. Since, you know, yeah. Selling stuff yeah. online. Webinars aren't, I mean, there's a million different platforms to do webinars. Yes. You know, back in the day, it was like such an investment just to get into making yes. a course online. That's interesting. I'm interested to see, yeah, I just think that creating content, creating like helpful content is is more important than ever. And it's, awesome. I think the people that- I, I want to hear more. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I think like, because there's so many different tools and platforms out there that there's a lot of people that are getting, they're mistaking the platform for the content, if that makes sense. You know, so it's like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm on this platform and I'm going to get really good at this platform in the sense of like, I know when to post and maybe how it works. But it's like, if you can't create content that people are interested in, then it doesn't really matter. This is something that I think has been true. It's not really a hot take because I think it's been true for a long time. But I think it's like, just because there is so much out there right now, that it's Mm -hmm. even more of a distraction for people. Yep. I feel that like I'm not on TikTok. Krista's on TikTok, as you know. I probably should be on TikTok, but I just can't get myself to do it. <laughs> no, I th- I use it probably for reasons I shouldn't. That's I don't get on other platforms because I only get on that one because it makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, like the other ones feel so serious and businessy, and I'm like, I just want to giggle. Yeah, for like 30 minutes. And <laughs> it's funny because my sister, who we talked about at the beginning of this episode, she yes. will send me. She'll send the family group text videos almost every day yeah. from TikTok and they're always hilarious. I always hilarious. think I should I should get on this, but it really um, yeah, it's when I just need a break to laugh. So it's But it's I think that awesome. goes back to the point around content, right? Facebook, yeah. I mean, I think we all have Facebook accounts because like maybe we run ads on Instagram. I was about you know? to say because our ads are tied to it. Exactly. There's just <laughs> yeah. so much that's like kind of tied to it. It's like email, but not as good as email, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. So yes. and then Instagram, like it, to a certain extent, you know, feeling a little bit dry mm-hmm. over there in a lot of mm-hmm. the same ways, but maybe it's not quite as bad. So, but again, like why do people go to TikTok? All the reasons you just mentioned, you know, it's like the type of content and it's lighthearted and just user-generated content becomes that much more important for yes. brands. It's um, not polished. It's, yeah. Yeah. And how can you how can you encourage as a brand people to, to create user-generated content around yep. your brand? It'll be interesting. Maybe you've convinced me to, to finally sign up for TikTok. At least for the giggles. I don't Get love the, the whole privacy, you know, all the privacy oh. concerns around it. 
that's one of the big things for me. But I went through a phase. I probably downloaded it for a few days, deleted it maybe three or four times yeah. before I was like, okay, I'll just turn my VPN on and Exactly. And with that said, like I have an Alexa in my house. So, you know, I feel like there's so much Your like soul's cognitive already sold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> there's no consistency. No secrets. There. Right. Yeah. Well, Ashlyn, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us again Absolutely. on the podcast. It's been way too long. I feel like we used to see pre-COVID, we saw each other yearly. At, at least, least every six months. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah. relatively frequently. So hopefully, hopefully that starts happening again as I know. You know, conferences I know. start Miss happening. You guys. Again. Although I feel like conferences have, have hit hard times as well. Yeah, we'll so have to get them to pick up again. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much. And That's yeah, really joy. appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Davey. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DaveyandKrista.com. 